It is with great pleasure and much gratitude that I'd like to welcome Mags B from Belfast. Mags, the floor is yours for 40 minutes. Thank you so much for coming to share for us, Arkhal. Thank you so much, Rachel. That was uh, quick. I wasn't expecting <laughs> to come on so quickly, um, but that's okay. We will uh, get rolling with this. Um, I hope um, everyone in our house um, can hear, um, but maybe by the end of this, you'll be saying, maybe it would have been better if we couldn't hear her. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how this flows this evening. Um, I feel as if I'm talking really loudly in my little kitchen in Belfast, uh, talking to the guy right at the back there in the orange t-shirt. I'm shouting because I think that you're going to hear me louder when it's actually just going through the laptop, so it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> but you're the most important person in the room this evening, all of you guys at our house, that's for sure, um, and anybody else that's new about or returning. Um, my name is Mags. And I'm an alcoholic. And um, as I sit here in my little kitchen in Belfast, um, I can genuinely say from the bottom of my heart that the best gift that I've ever been given in my life is that I am an alcoholic. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart this evening. And before I get into my story, I'd like to just share with you the reason why this evening specifically, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I got stuck in traffic, first world problems and all of that. I was on the bus on the way home from work and the traffic was bumper to bumper. And I had this little thought you know, get off the bus and walk. It'll be quicker because I needed to get another bus to get home to see a sponsee at six o'clock. Because you see, my purpose in life is no longer about me. My purpose in my life, and it wasn't always like this, guys, in our house. It was not always like this. So please don't think that I'm speaking here from some sort of hilltop um, I'm not Mother Teresa running about the streets of Belfast trying to help people, although that is my thing right now because Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a way of living which is completely different to the one that I had previously. Completely and utterly differently. Different. And I got off that bus and a little thought was put into my mind. Take the road that you don't normally take. And I went down that road because that little thought was put into my mind. And I walked about 25 steps. And in front of me, lying on the pavement, was a girl who I haven't heard from in about three weeks. The last time I heard from her, I had a call from her. She was in hospital. She was being detoxed. At that stage, she was still with her family and friends. And tonight, 
and for the last couple of weeks since she was released from hospital, she's been on the streets in Belfast because she is one of those alcoholics who at this time, at this time, cannot and will not see our way of life. And when I say our way of life, that what I mean by that is Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous to which our fellowship is named after. This book contains the program of recovery. It's the only place that you'll find the program of recovery outlined in masterly detail. But this girl cannot and will not see our way of life. And in that moment, in the city center, I can genuinely say that it brought me right back to that point three years ago where I was her. And at that stage, she was well, but for whatever reason, had gone back out again. And she said to me, Mags, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me, don't be angry. But please don't worry about me. I said to her, I'm not worried about you because this is all for the good. This is all for the good. I was meant to get off that bus. I was meant to come and see you. This is all for the good. And we exchanged some pleasantries and she wandered off. And the first thing I did was call my sponsor. Because for the first time in three years of recovery, the power of what alcohol can do to a human being, the power of what a really, really normal substance can do to someone if they are an alcoholic. We have a completely and utterly abnormal reaction to this really normal substance that I can see other people using and taking drinks with impunity, as it says in the doctor's opinion. So God only knows where she's going to end up this evening. And thank God, it's only God that knows. You know, this thing that is alcohol is cunning. It's baffling. It's powerful. It's so sly, it creeps up on us from nowhere. It's so baffling, it wants us cut off from the light at every possible opportunity that it can. And it would probably have us in a constant state of drunkenness just to keep its grip on us rather than let us die. Because it loves it when it's got the control of us. It's so powerful. Unlike any other thing on this planet. 
but it doesn't have to be like it is for that girl tonight. It doesn't have to be like that. It absolutely doesn't have to be like that. And it is a cast iron guarantee that you can recover from alcoholism if you do the work. If you don't do the work, it won't work. If you do the work, it will. And the reason why I can say that so confidently is because in the beginning, I didn't do the work. And now I do. And when Young asked me to come and speak a few weeks ago at this meeting, I automatically said yes, because he is someone who I know puts so much time, effort, energy, like Rach, like Braca, like Kelly, like so many other people that I can see on my screen this evening. We all put our hearts, our souls into being of service to the still sick and suffering alcoholic because somebody did it for us. And the more I give this, the, the more I give this away, the more I get back, the more energy I'm given to give this away, the more I give it away, the more I get back. Because the more I'm giving it away, there's another entity present. There's another entity somewhere. And this might all sound like complete another baloney to everybody on the screen right now, but I know it to be true that there's another entity somewhere. Something happens by simply following a few simple instructions, taking a very simple, certain attitude, our life is recreated. But like I said, at the top of the conversation, I didn't always feel like this. I first came into the rooms in April, 2018. I use that phrase lightly, came into the rooms. <laughs> I was dragged by the hair and thrown into the rooms by my younger sister. She knew I had a problem with alcohol. I knew I had a problem with alcohol, but my problem was I couldn't admit it. That first step to admit I was powerless over alcohol, that my life had become unmanageable. To admit means just to let in the idea. I couldn't let the idea in that I was powerless over alcohol. When I went into that room of Alcoholics Anonymous that dark Wednesday evening in April, I took my seat in the very back corner of the room, much like the person that's sitting right in the very back corner of the room in our house. I sat there where I thought nobody could see me, where nobody would look at me and no one could get near me. Yet when a gentleman stood up at the top of the room and started to read chapter five, how it works, somehow or other I knew I was in the right place. Now, when he started reading, I didn't understand what he was actually talking about. It was as if he was speaking Japanese and I don't speak Japanese, so it was going to be very difficult for me to understand. But I went to meetings in Belfast and heard them read chapter five over and over and over again. And it started to sound a little bit like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, in that cartoon. Wah, 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 The step, step one. Wah, 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 wah. I didn't tune in. I didn't listen. The first line, rarely 
have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path? I thought our path was all the Tom, Dick and Harry sitting around in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't realize at that time that our path is the writers of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if I follow this path, I find a path that is full of discovery about myself and full of answers to the problems that I'd been trying to solve myself to no avail. People in the rooms told me to keep coming back. I didn't know why I had to keep coming back. They told me to pray for a sponsor. I didn't know what I was praying for. I didn't know what a sponsor did. Um, but And they told me not to lift the first drink. They told me all that stuff, but I didn't really understand it. So they didn't tell me why I needed to come back. They didn't tell me what the sponsor was for, and they didn't tell me why I needed to pick up the first drink. So I kept coming back and listening to Charlie Brown's teacher reading chapter five, how it works, still not understanding. I prayed for a sponsor. They didn't appear. And I kept going out after the meetings and just taking that first drink, not realizing the first drink led to the second drink, to the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and beyond. Didn't realize it was the first drink that got me drunk. But it wasn't until someone approached me. They had had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. They approached me and said, I can help you. And that person became my sponsor. And they are still my sponsor to this day. And thank God they knew what they were doing. They told me the truth about what I suffer from, which is a progressive illness, a physical, mental, and spiritual malady. It's a threefold illness. It's so progressive, it gets worse, never better. They told me I was hopeless. I was beyond medical aid. And unless... I had a personality change as a result of doing the steps. I was doomed to an alcoholic death. And I thought, well, you know what? Don't know how this person's going to fix me, but I'll keep coming back. And all the while, what I did was the hokey cokey. I call it the hokey cokey. I think Rachel might have heard me talk about this before, but I did the hokey cokey. One food in, one food out, in, out, in, out, shake it all about. You know how the song goes? In, out, in, out, shake it all about. In the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. In and out like a yo-yo. And all the while, I continued to drink. I was given a service position, which I took very, very seriously because there was nobody that could make a cup of tea in the world like I could, or there was no one that could make the coffee like I could. And when I found this home group, I went in and I was aghast when I saw the quality of the biscuits that they were given out at the meetings. I mean, how dare they share something from a little shop down the road when there's another shop up the road that could be so much better quality. Like my ego was huge. It was huge. But I now understand why I have to be of service. I didn't know why they chose me to be the coffee captain. I liked the fact that I got, you know, a title. I thought I was going to get a hat and some epaulets for my, you know, my uniform. 
I was only there to make the tea and coffee, but I made myself out to be, you know, the big shot. But they gave me some accountability. I didn't really like it, but they gave me the accountability anyway. And I did show up for that service position. And it became the reason why I got up in the morning. You know, in the end, my family had to let me go. I didn't have any money. I'd lost my job. But for whatever reason, because these people reached out to me, friendly hands reach out and welcome is what they call it. And we agnostics, these people in Alcoholics Anonymous, these friendly people reached out their hands and help. And I like to, I look forward to seeing them on a Saturday morning. So where I was living at the time, I would walk 10 miles to get to the meeting and I would walk 10 miles home from the meeting. I couldn't afford the public transport. And I was too embarrassed to ask for somebody to come pick me up to take me to the meeting and somebody to come pick me up and drop me home. When I had to go meet my sponsor, I walked the miles to get to them and I walked all the miles home. They talk about going to any lengths to get it. I didn't know what they meant by that. I didn't realize I was even doing it. And that's the power of this program. That's the beauty of this program. I didn't know this thing was happening to me whilst I was going through this process. But all the while I continued to drink, thinking that if I keep coming to these meetings, I'll be able to prove to you lot that I'm not an alcoholic. I was coming to Alcoholics Anonymous with the wrong motives, with the wrong ideas to prove to you that you were a lot of idiots, that you could not tell me how to change my life, and I'm going to prove to every single one of you that I can control my drinking. That I have a choice to drink. And that my willpower will save the day. Because my willpower saved the day in every other aspect of my life. But as I said a little earlier, this is a progressive illness. It gets worse, never better. So from April 2018 right the way through to November 2019, alcohol had me in its grip. And in the end, I couldn't get a breath. In the November, I was medically detoxed twice. On both occasions, I was released from the hospital with medication. I took the medication and went straight to the bar. Insanity the insanity of picking up the first drink. I couldn't get a breath. I never thought that I would become a daily drinker. I never thought I would become an hourly drinker. And in the end, it was 24 seven. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't open my eyes. I, I just literally everything was about reaching for a neat glass of whatever it was. I reached that point of what they talk about and more about alcoholism, pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I was found in the street by a beautiful lady who I will never be able to recognize again. I'd come out of a blackout. She'd called an ambulance. I came round in the back of the ambulance 
and looked out the double doors. There was a paramedic to the left of me. And at the back of the double doors with the other paramedic was this beautiful lady and all I could see was her eyes. She was a Muslim lady. So she was covered head to toe. And when I looked into the eyes of that woman, at that moment, I knew those to be the eyes of God. At that moment, I knew I'd reached pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization because how could this have happened to me? How has this happened? Cunning, baffling, powerful. This really normal substance that I have a completely abnormal reaction to. The moment I put one drink into my system, it sets off the manifestation of craving and I have to have more. I have to have more. And when I'm not drinking, I'm thinking about drinking. And all the while, my problems are piling up on me and becoming incredibly difficult to solve. I start to focus on the problems rather than the fact that if I solve the drink problem, all those other problems do not exist. But I'd rather linger on the relationships. Do you know what he did to me? Do you know what she did to me? Linger on the fact that my mother had passed away. Do you not know how hard this is? Do you not know how stressful my job is? Everything was everybody else's problem when the person that I was looking at in the mirror was me and I 100% was the problem. There's a classification of alcoholics in the big book. There's five different classes. I loved the fact when I read the big book by myself that I was the one that was friendly, able and intelligent. So I thought, well, maybe it's not so bad to be an alcoholic then because I am really friendly. I'm kind of intelligent and I'm very, very able. So maybe it's okay. I missed the line before that said I react abnormally to the substance. I chose not to take that piece on board. My sponsor and my younger sister shared with me that um, I was only like the little girl this evening who I've met, not far away probably from my own funeral. But thank God on the 29th of November, 2019, I went into a treatment facility like Ark House where I stayed for three and a half months because I couldn't get a breath. I had to be separated from the world. And in that place, I thought they were going to tell me some magical, wonderful remedy for my alcoholism. But guess what? Our house and everybody else, they told me that I had to get a sponsor I had to get a big book. I had to work the steps, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, like the desperation of a drowning man, go to meetings and have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. They told me the same thing that the people in Alcoholics Anonymous had been telling me for 18 months prior. But you see, my problem was I spent too much time looking at the people of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and pointing at them, judging them, giving opinions on them rather than looking at what they were pointing me towards.
which was the God of my understanding, a program of recovery that solves every single one of my problems and a life that is so incredibly wonderful as time passes. I haven't even got the words to describe it. They use the word remarkable in the big book of alcoholics a, a number of times. And it truly is remarkable because when things happen now, it's like that is remarkable. You have to keep on remarking on it because it's just how things change. And this is, I don't know whether the irony is that it, ironic is the right word to use, but ultimately the thing that was going to kill me and take me to God is the thing that has saved me and got me to God. Isn't that incredible? I was going to die of alcoholism and, and you know, not live in this life. But here I am with God of my own understanding. And don't be put off by that, anybody here this evening. Don't be put off by that. It's the God of your own understanding, not mine, not Rachel's, not Brockett's, not anybody's in the room. It's the God of your own understanding. And it says, you know, where are you to find that God of your own understanding? Well, that's exactly the purpose of our big book. That's exactly the purpose of the big book, to tell you how you will find the God of your own understanding. And when I went into that treatment facility, I don't know what it's like, our house, um, I would imagine that my place was a little bit different from what you're experiencing because mine was, was managed by nuns. So... Um, I often say that um, it was almost like being in um, the sound of music sometimes. You know, how do we solve a problem like mags? When they said pray, we prayed. When they said rosaries, we said rosaries. When they said novenas, we did novenas. It was like a, 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 it was like a boot camp, really. But the thing about it is, those wonderful ladies told me to set aside every single thing I think I knew about what the practice and the discipline that they were putting me through to have a new experience with God. They didn't even put their God or their understanding onto me. What they wanted to do was to help me understand the importance of not knowing what was good enough for me. To set aside everything I think I thought I knew about myself, my program of recovery, in order to have a new experience. I've now come to understand that the not knowing is the gift. The knowing is the booby prize because what I know will keep me trapped. What I know will keep me in the bondage of myself. What I don't know is the best thing that can ever be given to me because I'm not in control. And when I left that treatment facility three and a half months later, something had already started to change. I didn't know what it was, but something had happened. But you see, this is the thing. I'd stopped trying to work it out. The 18 months prior to being in that treatment facility, I was trying to work everything out. I was trying to understand the big book. I was trying to understand how can I, this, how can I not make this work? How can I make it work? What's the shortcuts? What's the bits that I like? What's the bits that I don't like? But the moment I stopped trying to work it all out, something shifted. I got out of there on the Friday. My younger sister gave me my mobile telephone back on the Sunday. And the first person I called was that sponsor of mine. They were pretty shocked to hear my voice. 
and we started working the steps like the desperation of a drowning man and I used the same big book that I have sitting here in front of me that I use with my friends when I'm sponsoring them the same big book that I had got before I went into the treatment facility and I opened it up and everything had changed. My friend in our home group says the big book fairies had come in and changed the words. The big book fairies had come in and changed the words. I now understand that there are no fairies. They didn't come in and change the words because it was me that had to change. This book hasn't changed in nearly 90 years, but somehow it has the power to change me. And it has the power to change you. Just by showing up with a sponsor, reading it line by line, taking a few instructions, taking the action. So simple. I'm the type of person that could complicate making a cup of tea. I complicated this program like no one's business. But when I sat down and set aside every single thing I should think I knew and became willing, I don't ever think gentlemen, ladies in our house or anybody else that's on the screen here, I don't think I was ever going to be ready, but I became willing to be willing to be ready. And that tiny, tiny grain of willingness, I started to get results. Like it says in We Agnostics, it commenced to get results. Something began to happen. And as I moved into my step two, that beautiful chapter, if you have a copy of the big book in our house, which I hope you do, read chapter four, We Agnostics, because it is a treasure trove of information as to why one should believe in this part greater than ourselves. It never stops giving you more and more reasons why you should believe or come to believe. I don't know when. <laughs> this is really strange. I don't know when I came to believe. I genuinely don't. I can't tell you. I can't tell you when it happened. I just know that it did. I can remember finishing the 12 steps. I knew I, I didn't even know I'd had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. My sponsor took me out for pizza, got to book page 164, took me out for pizza. And I remember looking at them and saying, do you think I've had a psychic change? And they dropped the piece of pizza that they held in their hand. They were like, what? Do I think you've had a psychic change? I was like, yeah. Do you think I have? Now, th by this stage, I was six months sober, three and a half of them in the treatment facility. By this stage, three months out of treatment, I had my first sponsee. And I'm questioning, have I had a psychic change? That was a full-blown personality change that I could sit in front of another woman and open this book and do what my sponsor was doing with me. It says in the spiritual experience at the back of the book, dead easy to find this in your book as well, page 567. Like the steps on 5678, um, that's how I remember it. Um, those two pages are so incredibly beautiful. But in there, it talks about friends of the newcomer see the change in them before they even know what's happening themselves. And that's my experience as I went through the steps. Other people started to see the change in me before I even realized it was happening to me. And that's the gift, that's the beauty of it. I didn't even know it was happening. So I didn't have to question anything. I wasn't trying to work anything out. I just showed up, sat with this person who had had the same thing happen to them. We read the book together. And when I went into my step three, 
this beautiful story of the actress, the actor running the show, I could see the many, many versions of myself. Self-seeking, self-pity. There's 22 different versions that they talk about in the actor running the show of self. But they later tell us on page 62, and I'm only referring to the pages because if you want to refer to them yourself, it might jog something. and It'll show you that I'm not making this stuff up. It actually appears in the clear-cut directions. Page 62, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, driven by these things. That was my driver. Something had to change. Step three, I needed to make the decision. I had to cut away all the other options that I had taken up to this point and make the decision that I was going to hand my will and my life over to the car of God as I understood him. Now, step three is just making the decision. The hand in our will and our life over happens in step four through nine. So all I'm doing is making the decision. Like today, do you want tea or coffee? I'll have tea. I'm just making the decision. But that decision has depth and weight. That's where I make the decision where, you know what? I'm going to quit playing God. Why? Because it doesn't work. It's that simple. I got to quit playing God because it doesn't work. And I take this different position. I sincerely take this position. And the, the third step promises have come true in my life. They're true every single day in my life. My little plans and designs no longer matter. I'm here to play the role that he assigns, the God of my own understanding. I have a new employer. I'm rocking up here tonight to talk to you because this is my job. This is my job. And I do this for fun and for free. And I don't do it now to keep me away from alcohol. The alcohol has been removed. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't exist. But I do this because it's my job. And I do it because I love it. And I do it because I see the lights come on in somebody else's eyes and I can see their shoulders drop when the weight comes off their shoulders. And I do it for the still sick and suffering alcoholic who's on the street tonight. You know, in that moment's silence that Rachel called before we got into the meeting, let's take this moment's silence to remember the reasons why we are here. The reason why I'm here is because I have an illness that will kill me if I don't do this. This is the prescription for my illness. I do this because I'm alcoholic, not because you are. But together, it's a win-win situation. I have to take my prescription in order to be useful to you, in order to be helpful to you. And I have to say, you know there shouldn't be really a favorite step, but my favorites are four and five. And don't think I'm some sort of crazy person for saying that, but step four and five are the just the most amazing steps. And in the rooms, we make it very, very scary. Oh, have you gone into your step four yet? Have you done your inventory? It's horrible. Lots of people balk at that step. Set every single thing aside that you think you know about four and five. This is about having a fearless and thorough moral inventory of yourself. And admitting it to God in the first instance, yourself and another human being. Those inventories are where we get into those resentments, those fears, 
our sex conduct and behavior where we get rid of all this stuff, all of these resentments, these recent feelings from the past, these things that I've been carrying on my back all my life, these things that made me the victim and you were the person that did me wrong. The fear of tomorrow, the resentment from yesterday, not being able to be fully present right here, right now, in this moment. May we find him now. May we find him now. Because that's all there is, is right here, right now. I had harbored those resentments all my life. I was the victim. And you know, being released from all of that, it takes effort, it takes work, but to be able, the only way that I can describe it is that through that process, my sponsor and I worked together and it felt at points that I was being smashed into little pieces of smithereens. But little by little, my sponsor somehow put me back together again. And I could look at this beautifully colored mosaic and see who I was for the first time in my life. To be able to see that no one can harm me, that no one can do me any harm on this planet. And that the flimsy reed was the loving and powerful hand of God all along. I've just got the three minute warning, so I'm just gonna race through a couple of points, Rach, on, on this one. And moving to six and seven, I was ready for God to take all of me, good and bad. At this point, I understood I didn't know what was good, what was bad, so just take all of me because I'm beat. I am absolutely and utterly beat. Take it all. I was clinging on to those things that were objectionable, but again, went through another little dip. Take them all. I went into my amends and one of the, the, the best ones I've ever done in the sense of best ones I've ever done. It's not that it was immaculate or anything, but one of the things where I got the most release was when I sat in front of the man that I hated. I never thought it was possible, but I sat in front of the man that I hated and made amends. That gentle, gentle man had never done me any harm. I'd embellished it. I'd made it up. I was the victim. That gentle, gentle man never did me any harm. He had to do what he had to do because of what I did when I was drunk, when I was selfish, when I was dishonest. And how can I make amends? How can we change this relationship? And every day, my 10, 11, and 12 is the thing that I love to do. I watch myself every single day. I ask God to take away those things that you know, the selfishness, the dishonesty, the self-seeking, the resentment. I resolutely turn my thoughts to help other people. What I understand now from Bill's story, my very life as an ex-problem drinker depends on my constant thought of others. Because I get away from myself then. And my step 11, seeking through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, Every single day, I'm in a constant conversation with God, a constant conversation. There's two conversations going on whilst I'm speaking here. There's another one going on somewhere else, this conscious contact with God. And my 10 and 11 isn't about me feeling better. I say this all the time. It is a byproduct. When I practice 10 and 11, I do feel better. I can see where in my inventories that I can improve. I ask, you know, for certain things and 
how I can be more useful to, to more people is the mainstream of my life. I go with the flow of things much more than controlling things. But those 10 and 11, it's not about me making myself feel better. It's to make me more effective in step 12 so that I can continue to carry the message, so that I can practice these principles in all of our affairs. And I'll finish on this arc house. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I went into that treatment facility as well, thinking that I had to impress everybody. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm about? I thought I had to impress the world. And all the way, all I have to be is involved, right in the heart of these 36 spiritual principles involved in my own recovery and helping as many people as I can with their recovery, being involved in service. And if Jung asks me to rock up, to do a talk at whatever time of day it is, I rock up, I show up because people did it for me. I have to give this away to keep it. And I wish every single one of you the best of luck in your recovery. And maybe our paths will cross somewhere on this road of happy destiny because we're on it already. Thank you.